This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And today we are going to talk about the hiring of Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator of the New York Jets. There have been whispers going on ever since Adam Gase was hired as the head coach last week. And now it is official. Greg Williams will be coming in as the defensive coordinator. Going to talk about this news, some other news and notes, and we're also going to get into what the Williams hiring means with the one and only Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much. How's it going, Scott? I'm doing pretty well because, Chris, today is Greg Williams' day because now it's official. He's going to be the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets. There's been some different reporting on this, whether or not the Jets were set on him regardless of who they hired as a head coach, whether this was Gase's choice. What do you know about how this came together? Yeah, that this whole thing is crazy about, you know, they're going back and talking about how, you know, they didn't impose uh, staff restrictions on Rule and McCarthy, but then now we got I, – and I think a lot of that really is their size. Like McCarthy came out at, saying that, oh, they tried to do that to me too. That's him just covering his butt. He saw that out there with Rule, and he said that he can go there and use that as the excuse why he didn't get the job too. Um, so, I, you know, if I want to say that they – we're going to impose it. I'm not willing to go that far, but I definitely do. I definitely know that they had Greg Williams at the top of the list. Like this is the guy we want, whoever the coach is going to be to hopefully get that guy. Now that doesn't mean if, you know, somebody else came in and said, Hey, I'd like Chuck Pagano or somebody, you know, really close to that level that they wouldn't have been flexible, but that's, that's the guy who they wanted to. And I, you know, Gay said it with, how he didn't even ask for uh, personnel control or anything like that. And I think he came in here and he was basically willing to agree to whatever the Jets wanted to to get the job himself. But further complicating, complicating the matter is if you look at what might be happening with the offensive side of the ball, if he just brings in his same guys from Miami, then that kind of would seem to go counterproductive to that, unless the Jets were just only concerned about the defensive side of the ball and just let Gase handle everything in offense. Either of that makes sense. But uh, I I think he was at the top of the list, and that's what they were hoping for. They would have been a little flexible depending on who else the names were, but they wanted something in that Greg Williams range. Chris, let's talk about the history of Greg Williams. Funny enough, he got his big break under Rex Ryan's dad, Buddy Ryan. So it all comes back to Rex somehow. It was the defensive coordinator of the Houston Oilers, and then they became the Tennessee Titans. And if you recall, he was the defensive coordinator when they came within an outstretched arm of winning the Super Bowl over the St. Louis Rams. So then from there, he gets promoted to head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Things did not go so well. He ends up going back and being a defensive coordinator with the Washington Redskins. As is usually the case with Daniel Snyder, things didn't work out with that staff, so he blew it all up. Ended up going to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a year as a defensive coordinator. And then he moved on to the New Orleans Saints under Sean Payton. And that is where, of course, we had the whole Bounty Gate scandal. So, Chris, for anybody that forgot, can you explain a little bit about what happened with that? Yeah, that's that's when uh, Greg Williams became a household name. That's when everybody knew uh, knew who Greg Williams was. Because, you know, back then, people weren't 
so familiar with all the defensive and offensive coordinators like they are now. But then they were getting ready to play in a playoff game, and, and there is he's put a bounty out on people. He's offered up money to players to go and hurt players on it was the Vikings, right on the other team. You go knock this guy out of the game, and you will get this much money and uh, rewarded for you. He put it out on a table for him for them to see and everything, and just you know offered players money, extra money to go physically hurt and knock players out of the game. Now this is is a practice that you know used to be used back in the day. And it, nobody ever thought anything of it. This is one of those things where it got out and people were horrified by it, rightly and understandably so. There should be no place for that. You can't just be out there trying to hurt people. It's, it's insane. And it's also, you know, it's cowardly. And you you hear players talk about it sometimes when, who do you want to see the next round of the playoffs? I want to see the best team. Like, that, that, that goes against that. That goes against that competitive fire, like, you want to go take out the other team's best players so that you have a better chance to win. And, uh, you know, obviously he got suspended by the league. It was people were wondering if he was ever going to be able to let, be let back into the league. But then he eventually got a couple more shots at defensive coordinator and became the interim coach because it was the interim coach. But I highly doubt you'll ever see Greg Williams as a, a head coach again for that reason. It's just hard to trust him. Yeah, so let's talk about what happened after the Bounty Gate scandal. He was supposed to go work for his buddy Jeff Fisher as the defensive coordinator with the Rams, but then he ended up getting suspended indefinitely, so he ended up getting fired without ever working for the Rams. Then eventually he gets reinstated and comes back the following year as a senior assistant defensive coach back with the Tennessee Titans where this all began. After that, finally, I guess Fisher had enough political capital to bring him in as the defensive coordinator with the Rams where he was supposed to be in the first place. This is going back to 2014. And then when Jeff Fisher was fired, the end of the season came, Sean McVay came in, he brought his own people in, and so Williams was out the door there. And then most recently, like you said, he was in Cleveland under Hugh Jackson, and then when Hugh Jackson was let go, he was elevated to head coach. And then the Browns decided to move on without him and elevate Freddie Kitchens, so he becomes available. The Jets go in and grab him. On the surface, it looks like a smart move because here's a guy that's a very experienced defensive coordinator, former head coach in more than one place. We said interim with the Browns, and obviously former head coach of the Buffalo Bills. So there's a pedigree there, and when Adam Gase talked about wanting to have somebody who is the de facto head coach of the defense, he would seem to fit the bill. So let's talk about this a little bit. I'm going to get into this more with people from Cleveland, but what did Greg Williams look like to you as a quote-unquote de facto head coach of the defense in Cleveland and then an actual head coach of the Browns toward the end of the season? How do you think that'll translate to what the Jets have? Yeah, well, the first thing everybody wants to talk about, obviously, is the 4-3, a possible switch to a 3-4 and 4-3, and we can get into that a little bit. But the one thing that... I think will appeal most to Jets fans is Greg Williams is known known for a lot of things. Some of them we already discussed, but his defenses are aggressive. He is an aggressive-minded head coach. He loves to blitz. He loves to attack, and he loves to force the action. He's not going to sit back and, and wait to respond to the offense. 
he wants to attack and make the offense respond to him. And that's always a good thing. Now, he does have um, tendencies that in the past would have been looked at bad, but I think the, the proper way to go about things now with Sierra all around the league is you don't defenses don't worry so much about giving up yards in between the 20s. It's you want to focus on having great red zone defense and you want to focus on forcing turnovers. If you can force more turnovers, you get more possessions that gives you opportunity to score more points. And, and the way the NFL offenses are these days, as good as some of these quarterbacks are these days, you're, it's really hard to stop people from moving the ball up and down the field. So if you can focus on red zone defense and turnovers, which, you know, sometimes turnovers are luck, so it's hard to rely solely on that. But if you can be aggressive and you can force that, that's going to give your offense more opportunities to do things, more opportunities to score points, and, of course, take away opportunities from the opposing offense to do the same. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk about the specific players that he may want to bring in or some of the guys that are here that may not be good fits or guys that are free agents that the Jets may look to either retain or not retain based on what Williams wants to do here. As we know, Williams runs a 4-3. The Jets have been running a 3-4 since Eric Mangini was here, so it's been a while. Different personnel for each of those different schematic looks. Greg Williams got a lot out of Tremaine Johnson when he was the defensive coordinator with the Rams. So on the plus side, there's one guy that should benefit from Williams being here. Who are some more that you expect to benefit? Who are some guys that you think are either going to see their production dip or get a one-way ticket out of town? And who are some of the guys that you think they might target just based on what Williams likes to do? Yeah, well, we'll start with the the two names that are talked about the most uh, right now. Is that's Leonard Williams and Darren Lee. Um, Darren Lee, I think this could definitely benefit him. I, he's as since college, you go back read scouting reports on him. He was better suited as as the four three will outside linebacker. If there's four bodies in front of him, four big bodies in front of him, that'll help to keep the big offensive lineman off him, which we know he has trouble stacking and shaking those types of guys. So this should give him a, a little bit more 
room to roam around free. Now, who knows if it will actually work out that way, but theoretically, that could help them. But then, of course, who knows how long Darren Lee will be here, especially with his suspension at the end of the season. So, But in the short term, there is definitely potential for him to play better. But the downside of that is, we saw how long he struggled early in his career, his rookie year and even the first half of last year, and then this year he started to get it together. So if you switch him, is he going to have to kind of reboot and start all over again, and, or is he going to be inside his own head too much and be making mistakes? So we'll, there's potential for improvement there. I do think it absolutely fits his style better on going to have to take a wait-and-see approach to see if it will improve and how quickly it will improve. Well, Leonard Williams, a similar situation coming out. People saw him as a perfect match. He could he could play inside in a 4-3. He could play outside in a 3-4. And I think that's true. Uh, I think he can definitely be... He's, he's not going to be misused now if they use him that way. I, you're not going to see him... I can't imagine you'll see him getting worse or anything in a 4-3. But the problem with Leonard Williams is he's Leonard Williams. He's a really good player. He's, I just don't know that he's, no matter what the scheme, I don't know that he's ever going to take that step at this point in his career to become the great elite player that, that people hoped and expected him to be. But I, I don't think that this is going to negatively affect him in any way. What about some guys from the outside? Any guys that become obvious targets now that Williams is here? I haven't dug too much into the cornerback market, but you would think they're going to have to look to somebody to get somebody else in there, a you know, a press man corner, uh, somebody that will allow him to, to run the type of defense he likes to use. So you want to look at uh, the press guys out there. Maybe they have to turn to that in the draft. I, it, you know, Morris Claiborne had ups and downs in the season. He he managed to stay relatively healthy this year, which is a good thing. But I don't know or expect them to necessarily go back to that well. And then, unfortunately, we didn't get to see enough of Derek Jones this year to to see if we can rely on that. So that'll have to be a training camp story to see how he develops. But they're going to need to address that and go and look for somebody and it's physical, aggressive man corner. You know, obviously, if uh, Jacksonville's really looking to trade Jalen Ramsey, that would be a great fit. Somebody along those lines is not, you know, there's not a lot of Jalen Ramseys out there. But uh, if you get somebody with a similar style and ability in him, that would be the perfect fit for him. Let's talk a little bit about some other news going on around the team involving ownership. Christopher Johnson coming out and saying that there are going to be some structural changes in terms of the way that this thing goes reporting-wise. A lot of people have criticized the idea that both the general manager and the coach report to the owner. Christopher Johnson hinted that that is going to change, but he wouldn't say what that means. What does it mean, Chris? What do you think it means? The only thing that I can think of to, to say that you're making those changes but won't say it, I'm, I don't even understand what the point of saying you made the changes is like I I don't understand any of it. But the only thing I can think of is that he, this is going. He's going to Gase will report to McCagnan and the McCagnan will report to Christopher. That's the only thing that really makes sense here. How else are they going to change it up? 
how, how many ways can you change that up? I I can't think of anything else. Uh, the, and I guess maybe Christopher just doesn't want to say that for whatever reason. If that, that put will put more pressure or blame on McCagden or or whatever. But that's the only logical conclusion I can come to if he's actually going to make a change in that structure. Almost seemed like that friend of yours when you were a little kid who would do the I know something you don't know routine. Yes. Right? That's what it felt like. Because like you said, what could that even mean? Yeah, who knows? And if, like, and if you're not going to tell us about the changes, the, what the changes are, then why even tell us that the changes were made? <laughs> if, go ahead and make the changes. We'll, we'll we'll never know or we will find out one day but if you're not going to tell us and especially because before at the end of the season in the end of the season presser christopher said that that was going to stay the same that's how they always did it there it was going to stay the same that way and then to come out and say you know what never mind we're going to change some things up we're just not going to tell you what well then just keep that to yourself there, there's no need for us to know about that like what if you're not giving us anything to work with you're not giving us anything to work with don't bother hey guys greg peterson here with the baseball betting podcast as we know the mlb season is back in our lives it's going to be a 60 game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before and i'm going to be giving you picks every single day seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Chris, one other thing that I thought was interesting that came out of Christopher Johnson's comments is the fact that even though Woody Johnson didn't actually have anything to do with Gase's hiring, he seems to be on board with it, right? Yeah, that, he said that, you know, he stayed away. Uh, he didn't get involved at all. But then after uh, after the announcement was made and the decision was made, he got an email saying, you know, great coach, great hire, and I love you. And um, so he got he got this stamp of approval there. Um, you know, who knows how much they really talk. Uh, I've looked into this before on, like, how much Woody is actually allowed to do, and that seems really cloudy anyway. So he, he who knows? I, I don't necessarily believe that he wasn't like, you know, at least asking for advice from his brother uh, about certain things, how to read certain things. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd be willing to go that far. But he did say that Woody gave his stamp of approval. And of course, the thing about saying that is, I don't know if they realize that that's not something that's going to have most fans encouraged. <laughs> I was going to say they would have been better off not telling people about that. Yeah, if if he came out there and be like, nope, I haven't even talked to him. He's been calling me and sending me emails. I I, I shut him out. I think that would have uh, played better with most Jets fans. No question, but one thing that Jets fans are absolutely happy about is the fact that their special teams coach is sticking around. Brant Boyer is going to be the special teams coach under Adam Gase. So Adam Gase gets lucky here in the sense that when he was in Miami, he had one of the best special teams coaches in the league, Darren Rizzi, and now he comes in and has got another really good special teams coach here in Brant Boyer. The interesting thing with special teams coaches, Chris, is that they really can't go anywhere until their contracts are up anyway because... 
I don't really know what kind of promotion you could give a special teams coach. It's not like he's going to become a coordinator or something like that. So you kind of have to ride things out until your contract is up if you want to leave. It sounds like Brant Boyer was happy to stay, though. Take me through this news. Certainly sounds like good news for Jets fans. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing that I'm continuing to harp on is we know like how good the Jets special teams were with Westoff running the show at special teams. But the second he left, the Jets special teams were completely inept and completely struggled, and they're an absolute disaster. And it it took them a really long time to get that corrected and to get that right. And Brent Boyer's first year wasn't great. Last year started some improvement, but this year he, he, he had an excellent year, got everything going right. And part of that is, you know, he got helped by having a kicker who made the vast majority of his field goals. Andre Roberts had a great year. But then, you know, special teams, there's specific players that you want on your team. You have to hold roster spots for specific players. Or Montez Miles types. Or even a Sharon Peak, who is, you know, he's not going to contribute on offense, but he did a really good job on special teams. And this year, all that came together for them which is why they had the best special teams unit uh, uh, in the league, according to the VOA. And if they were to let him go to, to get rid of him and then start from scratch again, man, that would have just opened up a whole other door of potential headaches, a whole other thing for Gase to worry about. And that he said it himself, his focus is going to be working on Darnold. So if he just hired somebody else, somebody new, I, and they struggled, how is that going to get corrected? Just like Greg Williams is going to be the head coach of the defense, Grant Boyer is going to be the head coach of the special teams unit. He can be left alone to do his thing, and that's a great thing because special teams is one of those things. It's you know kind of like an offensive line. You don't really notice it until it's really bad or really good. And right now, the special teams unit is really good, and you can't risk messing that up. I would assume this means the Jets are looking to keep Andre Roberts. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot imagine that they're going to look to anywhere else. And uh, from everything I gathered from Dante, he really enjoyed his time here. He loves Boyer. He loves everything about that. And he's going to want to, you know, he's going to want to build on that season last year. He's, he's not some young player who just entered the league who's probably thinking, I can go do this anywhere now. He knows that this is the best place for him to continue playing at that level. And I can't see the Jets doing anything crazy like giving him some low-ball offer. He's obviously not going to command a ton of money, but I can't imagine anyone's going to severely outbid them. So I'd I'd be fairly confident that he's going to come back. And Jason Myers too, right? Yeah, you know, people had so many doubts about him coming into the season, understandably so. But after the season he had, even though he he had a couple misses here and there, after the season he had, I don't know how you could possibly not just want to bring him back. When he said people had doubts, he's talking to you, Michael Nania. He's talking to you. <laughs> he, he knows he knows that I'm talking to him. I've, I've told him this before. I, I, and there was a point in the season where every time I saw Meyer's name, my immediate reaction was Nania. 
Of course. And I had some fun with him, but he's a good sport, and he took it on the chin, and actually now he's become Myers' biggest fan. So it kind of came full circle, and he jumped on board the Myers train, and hopefully Myers can continue his progress under Brand Boyer in year number two with the New York Jets in 2019. Last bit of business before we go, Chris. Looks like Jamal Adams getting an early start on recruiting free agents. He had talked about Le'Veon Bell after the last game. Now he's going out and talking about D Ford and how much he would add to the defense. Number one, talk to me about this. And number two, also talk to me about the rules about this because it seems like Adams could probably get in trouble for this theoretically, right? Yeah, I don't know that he can really get in trouble for this. Players are allowed to recruit. They're allowed to talk to each other. It does get a little fuzzy on the public recruiting part of it. But I don't. I think at most he would get, uh, you know, a slap on the wrist or a fine. Don't be told, don't do it so publicly. But we've seen that other players have done it before on other teams. That it's not a big deal. The players are allowed to do that now. The coaches, the front office, GMs, they're not allowed to even talk about other players under contract with other teams. But you know, as a fan, I imagine you have to love that. You have to see it, and um, even. Sam Darnold came out and said, you know, he's not going to be doing it publicly, but he's going to recruit people. And, you know, with Jamal, obviously Darnold is a promising quarterback. People are going to want to listen to that. But Jamal, with his energy, the way he – people are going to want to play with him. Players are going to want to play with him. Now, I don't know if it's going to matter with D. Ford because maybe Kansas City goes – and franchise tags him or signs him an extension. And, you know, that's pretty much going to be the case with all these pass rushers. I know Jets fans want all the pass rushers that are available, and understandably so. I just have a hard time seeing any of them shaking free. Teams aren't just willing to let DeMarcus Lawrence, D. Ford go. So, But Jamal Adams is going to try to recruit, and it's going to help. Will it work all the time? Who knows? But... I can't see a downside to it. I'll say this much. I expect D4 to be franchise tag because he's too good for a smart team like Kansas City to let him walk for nothing. However, if he doesn't get franchise tag for some reason and he does become available, A, the Jets should throw every penny they can at him, and B, they should have Jamal Adams in on the recruiting meeting because if they think he could help in any way, you got to do whatever you got to do to land a guy like Ford. Think about the domino effect, too. If they were able to land D. Ford and then either draft a second pass rusher in the draft to create that Von Miller-Bradley Chubb or Von Miller-Demarcus Ware combination, that would be amazing. Or they would have D. Ford to fill that pass rusher role, and then they could focus on drafting an offensive lineman. So that would be incredible, and I think that if Jamal Adams could help, great. Let him help. But like I said, I expect that he will end up getting franchise tag. We'll see, though, Chris. Interesting times ahead. Greg Williams on board. Let's see what he does now with a lot of these players that are going to be free agents on the New York Jets. Some of them that are going to be free agents elsewhere. Who does he bring in? Who does he let go? A lot of mysteries to uncover over the coming weeks and months. I'm really looking forward to delving into it more. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it as always. For anybody that doesn't know where to find you or your great work, go ahead and let them know. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly or at JetsInsider.com. It's just starting to kick up and get into off-season coverage over the next couple of days. I'm going to start looking at uh, you know, some tape of Greg Williams' defense. You know, obviously there's the talk of four three three four. I think the first year is going to be kind of multiple, so we'll see how that does. But I'm going to dig into that tape to look at how that looks, 
digging some Adam Gase tape to see how his offense looks, see how I can explain that. And then we're going to dig right into free agency. To uh, I'll have some names for you there on the outside press corners. We're going to dig into that. And then, of course, draft coverage soon. And you can find that all at JetsInsider.com. Going to be something well worth reading, so head over to JetsInsider.com. And we're going to have a lot of that same similar stuff in video and audio form here, too. And you know that there's only one place to go for that. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.